Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. It is hour number two of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. I'm Ben Wilson with you in for Patrick Maher on Tuesdays and Wednesdays throughout the NFL season from our Circus Sportsbook Studios. Michael Lombardi at M Lombardi NFL back with us here on this Wednesday show, getting ready for all things week two, Michael. And we've got some fascinating line movement, some really good matchups. I wanted to get your take on Tampa Bay, New Orleans. I want to start with the coaching we saw out of Dennis Allen in week one. That was really our, I, we started the show talking some of these reactions to the coaching for either rookie yeah. head coaches or the, or the new head coaches in new positions like Dennis Allen. What did you make of how that fourth quarter went down? For people who haven't rewatched it, you just go back and watch the last four minutes of that Saints-Falcons game. It will make your mind want to just explode with the way Arthur Smith and, and Dennis Allen went back and forth there. What did you make of how Allen and the Saints handled the final stretch there, even though they did end up coming back and winning the game by one? Well, I mean, look, it was a game that I thought New Orleans was in control early, then New Orleans didn't get in control, and then Atlanta. I, I was really impressed, Ben, with uh, Atlanta's – what they did offensively, right? I, I thought, to me, what they were able to do uh, – with Mariota, I thought Mariota played really well. I mean, they revolved him in the run game. They made Dennis Allen have to account for him in the running game. Uh, they were able to make some throws passing. This whole notion that Kyle Pitts is a tight end is absolutely ridiculous. It's 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 absurd. You know, he's not a tight end. He he may line up there, but he's not blocking anybody. And so Dennis reacted to it exactly the way you would think. He lined a nickel. And Atlanta was able to run the ball. Cordell Patterson was really good running the ball out of that nickel formation. And so, you know, I thought he did a really good job. I thought Dennis Allen kind of got caught in a first-game situation where mm -hmm. he really didn't know what he was getting. And they rallied around, and, you know, and they were able to make that comeback. I mean, Atlanta had seven first downs in the fourth quarter and still gave up the game. Think about that. It seven first downs, in the, and, and, you know, and they controlled the ball. In the fourth quarter, they controlled the ball – for nine minutes and 35 seconds, 9.35. And yet they just couldn't, they couldn't make the play when they needed to make it. They just couldn't make it to yeah. where, you know, they could keep the ball away from them. And, and that, that became the real issue. You know, they got a fourth and they got a third and seven, fourth and two, um, excuse me, a third and three. And I think he probably would want to have this call back. He runs a run 
inside zone play to uh, to Patterson, and, it, and they don't get it. Now they got a punt, and that allows New Orleans to get to get the ball back with seven minutes to go in the game, and and they take it down and make the two point play. Right, and, and, and you know, and all that. With all that being said. The coverage by Terrell, the corner for it was as good as it gets. Yeah. Just, the kid made the, they made plays on him. Seventeen plays, two hundred eight yards. The final; those were the final three drives for New Orleans. Seventeen plays, two hundred eight yards after their offense literally did nothing outside of you know we saw the opening drive where it was really efficient running the ball uh, with with Taysom Hill. They just got away from it after that opening drive. Hill four carries, eighty one yards, at three hundred eighty five total yards for the Saints, and again over two hundred of those come on the final three drives of the game. I just wonder from your perspective, thinking about Dennis Allen, Michael, when you think about the fact he takes a timeout with 204 to go to allow Atlanta to either run or pass and of course Atlanta decides to run which I don't know you know what I don't know what the thought process but, I mean, was there when the was clock's going to stop I, anyway you I, think about that I'm and the intentional you, grounding on Jameis Winston when the clock had already stopped like to not get to not have the awareness of a situation like that do you do you put that in the category Michael of just all right first game trying to getting back into the rhythms of a head coach, getting those out of the way, or is that something that would concern you going into a really, really big divisional matchup against Tampa this week? Uh, it would concern me. I mean, look, you know, somebody's got to tell Dennis, Hey, don't ever call timeout under two Oh six, but you know, nobody's Andy Reed does it all the time. He may do it tomorrow night. He may <laughs> yeah. do it tomorrow. He, he yeah, never stops it. him. He never, it never stops him. And look, I, I think to me, Arthur Smith made the, he gave, he opened the door and Arthur didn't walk through it. You know, he opened the door and Arthur didn't walk through it. Arthur just basically gave him exactly what he wanted. And so I, I think this, I think he got caught off guard. I, I don't think he was his best day as a head coach. There's no denying that. But, I mean, they were able to find a way to win. Look, the, 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 the grounding play was fascinating because maybe, what is it, maybe 200 miles north in, in Charlotte. I mean, Brissett did the same thing and they didn't call it. Right. Right, the double. Yeah, Brissett did exactly pump. the same thing. <laughs> yeah. He pumped, moved to his right, stayed in the pocket, and threw it in the ground, and they didn't call it. So you can criticize Dennis for not knowing the rules, but you, you we're not criticizing Brissett or Kevin Stefanski for the exact same play. Yeah, I mean, fair. that play in Carolina, that play in Carolina, was two of the worst calls of the officiating. They got messed up with the roughing the passer on Burns, who did nothing but push the offensive tackle back into the quarterback. That's all he did. I don't know what he was supposed to do. Like, that's all he did. And yet, he got called with the penalty, and then the grounding. They didn't call the grounding. Now, in fairness, I think the kid would have made the field goal from 70. It looked like it was good from that, from that far. As somebody who had a Browns money line ticket, uh, trust me, I, well, Michael, I was like, all right, I really, I have my my bet is now riding in the hands of this rookie, Elliot Fry, and then all of a sudden you see the kick and you're like, damn, that thing was. Yeah, yeah but you know, the other thing seven. too, I wanted to bring this up. Arthur Smith got off the hook on that. I wrote it in my notes. I just looked at my notes when he called when Arthur Smith called that second down run to uh, and lost yards. Yeah. On third and six, Lattimore got called for holding. He got off the hook. They actually got a whole new set of downs with one. They had one ten, first and ten at the Atlanta midfield, right? And they had a whole new set of downs. And then they had, and this was kind of a prevalent through the game, was this direct snap to the quarterbacks were bad all week. I mean, Baker Mayfield must have dropped five of them. Every game had bad snaps. So on third and one, they had a chance to get a first down, but they couldn't do it because they fumbled the snap. And they got pushed back. Right. So it kind of was 
everything aligned perfectly for New Orleans. And it's just the point being, some even in a, in a even in a situation where New Orleans, everyone's going to remember the incredible comeback, the way they were resilient, the way they they overcame a lot of adversity. Still, a lot of question marks I have, and as you point out, I think rightly so. We should have on Dennis Allen the way they managed that game and, and the way, in general, the the scheme worked out for New Orleans, even in a win. And so you you flip it forward now to Tampa Bay, whose defense looked really, really good, even pre Dak Prescott injury only allowing the three points to Dallas. Offense had some concerns where you get into the red zone how many times, and he settled for five field goals, it's even in the first half alone where you made four of them in a 19-3 win. Three, it was a three-point line. We're down to two and a half pretty much everywhere. So there have been a lot of bites on the, on the dog here, Michael. Saints, two and a half point home dogs. I would think the prevailing general narrative is, all right, Saints, they really just have the Bucks number when you think about how, how they've been so good against Tom Brady, undefeated against him in the regular season since he came to Tampa Bay. How much stock do you put into something like that as we get ready for this week two showdown? I think then is then, now is now. I think one thing when Brady was embarrassed last year, getting shut out nine to nothing at home, I promise you, Brady watched Dennis. Brady spent more time on Dennis Allen than Dennis Allen spent on Dennis Allen. Like, I, I, I could promise you. Now, look, can they block him? That's going to be a challenge. And Denver and, and New Orleans has got to play better defense. There's no denying that. You know, what they, how they played against Atlanta will not be how they play at home in their home opener. But Brady won't play. Now, the last time they played there, it was a high-scoring game, remember? It was a back-and-forth game, and the the – I, I want to say this is the game Winston got hurt in and the backups came in and won it last year. I have to go back yeah, and watch 30, it today. But. Uh, 34 uh, 34-23 if you go, that was the first meeting under Brady, and then last year, this one ended up being 36-27. Those were the games in New Orleans the last two times these yeah, have they been. Moved, and you're they right, moved week the ball, They moved the ball there on them, you know, but I, I, I fool, like my number for the game, Ben, is 4-9-3, and when you factor in what Mackinan said, the second time a team goes on the road, you know, they're even better the second time on the road. I, I, think, I think Tampa, because they missed some time in preseason, there's a lot of elements about Tampa. I think Donovan Smith's got to play left tackle. That Josh Josh Wells can't play left tackle in this game. And Bowles said Donovan Don, uh, I mean Donovan Smith is going to play. He's got the elbow extension. Mm-hmm. He's got to play. If he doesn't play, that's a whole now Brady's managing a lot of things up front. I think that's a problem. And he said yes, the hyperextended elbow, they're just going to manage the pain. They think he'll be able to do that. But as you point out, yes, already with a banged up offensive line having lost Ryan Jensen the center for the year. An injury that would be would would have a big ripple effect there on that offensive line. I also thought too, at least you know, you look at the Tampa side of things. Brady goes eighteen to twenty-seven, two twelve through the air, a touchdown, a pick. Got an incredibly resurgent Julio Jones, who looks like he is reversed aging by about six years with how he looked in uh, in the Week One game. Were you are you writing that off at least from Brady's overall end? The lack of production, in the red zone is just a guy who missed a ton of time in camp, being away from the team, and, and not not yet on the same page with a lot of his guys. Is that a fair a fair assessment there of the Bucks' offensive performance? I think it's probably he doesn't have to put Gronk. I mean, Gronk, the tight end in the red zone is a huge factor. Somebody who can get into the middle of the field and make plays. And I think, you know, Brady is probably missing that security blank. Cameron Brate's a good player, but it's hard for him to make plays against bigger guys. I mean, in the red zone, everybody's covered. The field's shrunk. You can't, don't have a lot of separation. You guys, you need a guy that can go make a play. And you can't throw fades all the time. you got to find a guy, and you got to be able to run the football. I think they missed Gronk more last week than ever when it comes mm. to the red zone. 
Brait one for seven. Cameron Brait now the main tight end there in Tampa Bay. Because at least to me, the only concern and of the games we've looked at for week two, this is the one or two that jumped out to me where I'm thinking, man, getting Tampa Bay under under a field goal in a spot like this where I came away really unimpressed with New Orleans despite the win there. At the same time, you just wonder, can you can you trust this Tampa offense to put enough points on the board? We've seen a big move to the total as well, down from 47 to 44 and a half. I think you got to dismiss last week. Last week, Dennis Allen got caught against Atlanta running a system of offense that he wasn't real. They never showed in the preseason. He got caught. I think you can't carry one to the next week. I think you got to let that go. Let it go. All right. I we saw it. We saw how good Tampa looked in, on defense against Dallas. Again, even pre Prescott injury. That's where I, I wonder a little bit. Are there, is it is it quick enough to make those adjustments? And this is where we you know we get into the classic overreaction versus what is actually real and, and what uh, what carries on. Then is then. Now is now. I think that's probably a good way to look at a rivalry like this. I, a lot of people, Michael, they're going to look at the at the past history and say, all right. Tampa, they've just had the number on them from New Orleans. Maybe a bet on the Saints. I don't know that I'd be so quick to uh, to look at that. As far as what we have this hour, Harry Gagging going to join us in about uh, 20 minutes or so. Up next, we'll look at more Week 2 storylines in the National Football League. That's right here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Horse racing fans, First Bet wants to invite you to enter their free sweepstakes to win a trip to Santa Anita Park on October 6th through the 9th. The grand prize package includes airfare, hotel tickets to the races, plus a $1,000 betting voucher from First Bet. Head over to vcin.com slash horses to register. 
Seeing a whole lot of line movement on the week two card of the National Football League as we welcome you back. Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. Ben Wilson with Michael Lombardi. And thinking about some of these good performances in week one, how they potentially carry over, Michael. You saw a couple of 1-0 teams in uh, the Dolphins and Ravens. You watched those games very closely. Now the two square off this week. Starting up with the Mike McDaniel piece of this, what did you make of, of his performance? He gets three fourth down conversions, one aided by penalty, and then two very aggressive play calls just inside midfield. Obviously, it worked out, and the variance was on his side in week one. What was your overall assessment for him in game number one in that 27 win over the Pats? I mean, he did. I, I didn't think they changed their offense very much, to be honest with you, Ben. It was still pitch and catch. It was yards after the catch. I mean, he, you know, Tua tried to make a couple deep throws in the game, and they didn't work out. He wasn't accurate down the field. You know, the the throw to uh, to a Waddle was an inside throw. It's ten, under ten yards, and the the Raiders, uh, excuse me, the Patriots in what, what we call one rat that somebody should have been sitting in the hole. He made a great throw inside there and yards after the catch. I mean, it's a it's in a seven yard throw that became a forty seven yard touchdown pass. So I, I thought it was all pitch and catch to be honest with you. You know, I thought it was a forty one yarder. I thought he struck. You know, the the offensive line to me looked like it was going to have a hard time. They couldn't run block. I mean, McDaniel's signature is he's this great run blocking guy. Well, you know, they, they really didn't. They had 23 carries in the game for 65 yards. Their longest run was early in the game when they ran for 11 yards. They didn't really run the football. But, you know, what happened was you, they, they took advantage of, people, of backing off a, a Tyreek Hill. You know, he made a great – you know, his he had a long catch of 26. So, to me, I, I didn't see them being as – change what they did offensively. I, they can dress it up. and change, But you're not going to change what you're doing offensively with Tua. Tua has to be an RPO quarterback. Tua has to be a yards after the catch quarterback. You're not making a living throwing the post with him in the game. Mm -hmm. And this offensive line, to me, was having some real trouble trying to protect. And Chase Edmonds, you talk about the running game as well, leading back for the Dolphins, 12 carries, 25 yards. They score three points in the second half, and it felt pretty quickly, like we talked about earlier, breaking it down from the Patriots' side, like Miami could just sort of coast there. They didn't really have to play a 60-minute game. They, they were able to neutralize New England, especially when you thought about how the Patriots, they moved the ball between the 30s but really stalled out as soon as they got into, you know, into those ranges of the game. You have to think that changes, though, right? You go to Baltimore, a team who looked good at times but wasn't overwhelmingly impressive mm -hmm. when they were out-yarded by the Jets pretty significantly, struggled for large swaths of that game on offense. But how does the calculus change now, though, for the Dolphins? You go to Baltimore, home opener here for the Ravens, and you're catching mostly three and a half. Some shops have gone down here to Dolphins plus three. Well, I think Baltimore would be way more aggressive than New England was going after them. I, I think I think you got to go after two, or you got to pressure them inside. And you've got to force him to play quarterback from behind the center. And Baltimore's going to have to prove that they can defeat man coverage. You know, they'll probably put Xavier Howard. They did it on Parker. They put him on the best receiver. They'll probably put him on Bateman and try to force the ball somewhere else. Mark Andrews or, you know, a, a DuVernay. Some of those other receivers have got to step up and make a play to beat man coverage. You play too much man against Lowe Lamar. He's going to run for it. He'll run for 150 yards of the game if you play man. So they're going to have to kind of mix it up. I, I think what they got to go into the game is saying, okay, we've got to protect the football. They will have a hard time running against Baltimore, yeah. in Baltimore. And then the other... They will have a hard time. I mean, right. th this offensive line for Miami, Ben, is inverted. It, it, it has not improved to the level that you think it's going to take on, you know, even with Armstead at left tackle, it's soft inside. 
and you think about how it relates on the Baltimore side, just the flip uh, flip side of it for the offensive part of this game for Baltimore, a team that only gets 13 first downs, about 5.2 yards per play, as I said, outgained on the overall time of possession, the yardage there by the Jets. And we saw Devin Duvernay make a couple incredible individual plays that puts Baltimore in the scoring column there where they win, they cover, but game could have been a lot differently if a quarterback not named Joe Flacco was in the game for the Jets. Uh, Baltimore, any level of concern for you coming out of week one where, again, looked uh, cosmetically good on, on the surface, but you dig a little deeper, some, some, uh, some concerns at least I would have had on the Baltimore side after the week one performance. I didn't like Baltimore's offense at all. It looked like the same offense they ran last year with Lamar. You know, I want Lamar under center. Now, they rolled him to his right. The big throw he makes to Bateman for the touchdown was exactly what I'm talking about. They did it out of shotgun. They moved him. I would prefer to do it out of boots and, and let him go out there. He can make that overthrow. That's what he did really well at, at Louisville. I mean, he could throw that post and put the ball right on the face mask. So, you know, I, I wasn't happy with their offense. They didn't run the ball effectively in the game. The Jets kind of controlled it. Now Baltimore's going through. Then they lose James. I think the big question mark is, is Stanley going to play this week? Is Stanley playing? Yeah. Because they lost Jawan James, their left tackle. And once they lost Jawan James, then it became, we're just not going to lose this game. See, I think sometimes you have to be really careful evaluating the games is, who's the opponent? I don't think Baltimore ever thought that the Jets were the opponent in the third quarter. I thought they thought the clock was the opponent. And so they they kind of manu- they, they managed the game that way. That's where we get so caught up in stats and numbers, yards per play and all. You know, sometimes you're just managing the game to get through the game. You're not managing the game to because your opponent isn't the other team. You know, and so I mean, Harbaugh's sitting there looking at at, at Flacco throw it 59 times. He's delighted. Right. I mean, if you would have told him he's going to throw it 59 times, he would have been so happy. 307 yards passing on the 59 attempts for Flacco. Watching that game, it was just like, wow, what what are, what are we doing here for for the I Jets mean, uh, offensively? It was. Uh, I mean, Michael, Matt Lafleur, Mike Lafleur, the off. I mean, the Jets have never been good on opening day. I mean, I don't know why anybody was surprised. I, I'm disappointed I didn't go all in on Baltimore as a as a pick. Because yeah. every statistic that I had kept telling me the Jets are horrendous on opening day. Certainly. If, if Zach Wilson would have played, this could have been a 40-point loss. <laughs> it's funny, too. People were saying, oh, if it was a healthy Zach Wilson, maybe this game was closer. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you could possibly say that based on the numbers we've, we've seen so far, at least, from Wilson. Either way, Baltimore, like they get the job done. That game now... Any of those threes that popped a little bit earlier in the market have been gobbled back up. So it's up to three and a half now market-wide. Ravens laying it at home there against the Dolphins. Another very, very intriguing AFC matchup this week. Indianapolis goes to Jacksonville. We just saw the Colts. They cut Rodrigo Blankenship yesterday. First off, what did you make of that uh, that move there by the Colts front office? I mean, they had to, right? You know, one of the things like what I think San Francisco is going to go through with Trey Lance is when the team loses confidence in a critical player at a position – there's no turning back on it, right? There's no turning back on it. And, you know, you miss field goals. It's not your fault, right? It's not your fault we lost, but you're going to pay a price for losing. And and that's what happened. I mean, look, they had to score 17 points in the fourth quarter just to get the game into overtime, right? They had to score 14 points in the fourth quarter to get it in overtime, and then we get it into overtime. We're luckier in hell to get it in overtime, and we don't even make a kick. Again, Houston. How, take a guess how many first downs Houston had in overtime in the fourth quarter. It it had to have been like, it was in the th- three range, I would say. 
One. Okay. One. I'm, I'm giving one. I'm giving Davis so way they, too much. So again, what does that what does that tell us again as betters? It tells us when the other team has to protect the lead, meaning they have to run the ball. They're not good enough to run the ball. And so when the other team has to stop the passing game, because that's all Indianapolis could do, they couldn't stop it. They had 14 first downs. Indianapolis had 14 first downs in the fourth quarter. 14. Yeah. It, Again, this is the essence of football. When the other team knows we have to run, can we run? When the other team knows we have to pass, can we pass? That's the essence of the game. Mm-hmm. All these other stats doesn't really matter until you get to the fourth quarter. What did I say earlier on the show? Fourth quarter is a standalone game. And that box score, it is a wild look when you look at the full game. And then when you actually break down like what you talked about, Michael, the, the fourth quarter specifically and the comeback for the Colts. And then the fact that we can, you know, the, the whole overtime decision making is a, yet another discussion for another day. But at the end of the day, you now and people forget too, Blankenship kicks two kicks out of bounds giving the ball to Houston at the 40-yard line. So he is now out. They, they've worked out Josh Lambeau. He could potentially be in the mix there. What a storyline that would be if it's Lambeau kicking against his former team. Uh, you mentioned as well some of the, the sloppiness, some of the coaching decisions for Doug Peterson in Jacksonville. Yeah, at the end of the day, you have a team that was really dominant on the box score. They miss a short field goal. ETN drops a wide-open touchdown. Did, did that not just seem to you like a team that, again, very aggressive coach, young team, a little bit undisciplined that – has better days ahead of them, or are you feeling differently about Jacksonville? No, I felt like the quarterbacks actually, you know, he made some plays. He made some clutch throws. I think they got to fix this offensive line. He got hit way too many times. I think he got hit 12 times in the game. I mean, that's way too much. You know, and then the other thing is I think Peterson has to understand. I got James Robinson was really good. He had 11 carries for 66 yards. ATM was really good. He had four carries for 47 yards. Like, wait a minute, maybe we should run the ball more and not try to make 42 passes in a game that was close. Only 18 is an entire team, and you, you laid out uh, 15 of them from those two guys right there, over six yards a carry as a team. 6.8 there for Jacksonville. Catching four at home, 46.5-year total. There has been a, a lot of action to the over as well on that game so far. Still a lot to break down on the Week 2 slate here on this Wednesday edition of the Lombardi Line. Harry Gagnon, always gives out some Fun plays for us on the show. Former Las Vegas Sportsbook Supervisor will join us next right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Start your football season on the right foot by subscribing to VSIN Pro. Get full access to everything we do, including our daily picks at a glance recap of the top plays made by VSIN show hosts and guests, 24 7 video, season prep, including our weekly college and pro football matchup guides covering every game all season long, pro tools like our exclusive betting splits, and pro tips updated every hour with actionable insights to up your betting game. Sign up on our discounted football special and get VSIN Pro access to everything we do from now through the Super Bowl for only $175 or save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription and bet smarter all year long. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. Ben Wilson in for Patrick Maher. Patrick back tomorrow on the show. Back with Michael Lombardi and we're pleased to welcome in our good pal Harry Gagdon, former Las Vegas Sportsbook Supervisor here at the, at the Red Rock in Las Vegas. Also part of the Against All Odds podcast with Cousin Sal, Degenerate Trifecta. 
at AAO Harry. And Harry, we, we of course welcome you back. We were going to anyway, but when you give out a near six to one parlay, I mean, I know, I know that has been the talk of the, sh- of the show on against all odds all week. So con- congrats on that. Chargers, Dolphins, Eagles, you're living large, man, coming into week two. Hey, thanks, Ben. Mike, thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And I mean, more than anything else, but I know uh, me and Mike really uh, sh- showed what we thought of that Packers Vikings game. And I was all in on the Vikings. Mike liked that too. And I just loved the way the Vikings went about their business in that game against Green Bay. It was something to say. Yeah. Did there anything surprise you, Harry, on week one? Uh, you know, it, you know what? Yeah, you know what? the Colts not getting that win against the Texans. I think that, you know, you can't really, I mean, look, Jonathan Taylor had about 190 yards combined. Um, and you waste that. You kind of waste that where you don't get the win against a team that you're really supposed to beat. I didn't like the way Matt Ryan came out so much. It was kind of lethargic for a while with them until they finally got a little going in the fourth quarter. But that was bad. And also, the defense for the Arizona Cardinals, maybe we can elaborate on that a little bit, but just the defense, the the non-energy that the Cardinals had, they couldn't figure out. I know they lost some guys in the offseason. Defensively, Hicks is now gone. He's in Minnesota. He had a nice game against Green Bay. But you opening day, Kingsbury's in a lot of trouble, I think, right off the get-go here. And you think too about he just got his contract. He just he just got his contract extended. Hey, Harry, I, I think you know this is nobody's talked about it, but I mean Matt Ryan was I thought average, but he would have been a lot better had a couple of especially if Pierce catches that touchdown pass, they win the game. Yeah. I mean, it hit him right in the hands, you know, That's and exactly so they're, right. they're going to win that game. Yeah, and Pitt, and Pittman had a big game too with 109 catches, 120 yards, and a touchdown. But yeah, you're right. That's the situation. Pierce had to make that catch. And that's a guy that I thought was going to, you know, still might develop pretty good. It was only game one, but he had zero catches and he had that drop. That was bad. Yeah. Michael and I, we were just yeah. talking about that uh, last segment, Harry, the, and the overall box score, how that look, how that, you know, shows up looking five seventeen to two ninety nine for Indianapolis. We talked about how crazy the fourth quarter was one first down for Houston and ends up, ends up in a, a tie there. So you mentioned Arizona as well on the injury, on the injury front, it still looks really dicey for them going forward. We've seen a huge move in the market on this specific Cardinals and Raider game. As I look at the updated number now, Harry, I, I don't know if, if it gets out of hand at a certain point. A couple books have started to show a six here on the Raiders. This opened at three, got pounded on the overnight Sunday night, right now sitting five and a half. But I know you're still looking to target this game, but maybe in a different way now that that Raiders side has really gotten out of hand here up to the five and a half. What's your angle on that one, given all those struggles on the Cardinal D? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to go over. I love the over 51 and a half here. Like we mentioned Arizona lost some parts defensively in the offseason, and it showed Mahomes hung, hangs 44 on them. Could have been worse. Really could have been. And we saw Carr with his first game with Adams. Nice, nice game for Adams. 10 receptions, 141 yards. Touchdown was targeted, guys. Targeted 17 times. More than anything else, both defenses combined last week. Both defenses. Zero combined picks, zero combined sacks. You have Crosby now playing with Chandler Jones. Very disappointing on that Raider defensive line. Um, like I said, no turnovers, no sacks. This game has, and Kyler Murray needs to show a little bit something to do. I think he's going to be able to run a little bit against this Raiders defense. He should do more, a lot more running where he gets first downs, gets more, and they, and they generate more points that way. This Arizona Raiders game, this, this at 51 and a half, I think this thing could reach 65. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, the whole thing, I, when you look at this game and you break it down, I, I think the key to the year, to the game is Patrick Graham. The Raider, hey, the Raiders have to play from in front, right? So it, it doesn't do you any good if they don't play from in front. And when, when you watch, when you watch with the, you know, the last time that Pat Graham played, he played the Cardinals. It was, I think, December the 13th in, in 2000 and, uh, what was it 20? I think it was 20. Yeah, it's 20. I mean, they did a really good job. They, they limited, they limited Arizona. Arizona scored 26 points in the game, but the, the, the problem was the Giants' defense. Could, the Giants' defense had 81 yards rushing and 78 yards passing or vice versa either way. To me, that was the problem. And I think this will be a higher-paced game, but they've got to control Murray in the pocket. They can't let him run around and make right. playground plays. They've got to make mm-hmm. him play quarterback. And I think, I think the, the line is moving not because the Raiders were so good. I think everybody sees the Cardinals as an older team, not very talented. Maybe, the, maybe their best days were last year when they started the year, that the, that the decline in the team was more towards the age of the team than the, the Cliff Kingsbury not preparing the team. No, absolutely. And that's another. Yeah, I know. I know he just signed that contract for four mil, four years, twenty two million. But if, if, if this continues to go sour uh, in, in Arizona, and Murray's not at, living here in Scottsdale, I listen to sports radio here and everything. They don't love Murray here. He's not the greatest guy that they're saying. Not the greatest teammate and everything. We saw that last year, and if this continues to build here. This Cardinals team is in trouble, especially defensively. Uh, aside from aside from them not loving Murray defensively. That was just an awful display on opening day last week. Yeah. And again, and the Raiders, by the way, Josh Jacobs and the Raiders, not a great running team last year. Jacobs not off to a great start here. Maybe uh, again, Carr is going to have to pass the ball a lot. I love the over. Again, we're hanging with Harry Gagnon right now on the Lombardi line. A couple of shops have gone to 52, but still a bunch of 51 and a halves out there in the market on Raiders and Cardinals. As far as Thursday night, we were doing our breakdown of that, Harry, a little bit earlier. You've already gotten involved here. We saw this touch four and a half. Bunch of bites uh, to the dog there to take this back down to four, and it sounds like you were one of those guys who took a uh, nibble there on the underdog catching four and a half with the Chargers in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, if you guys remember last year at the end of the season, I think this is kind of like a redemption uh, Staley game for him because of what he did with all those fourth downs, uh, trying in that late game. There was a couple weeks in uh, with left in the season. Chargers were right there for a wild card. He made those fourth down calls, made a lot of them. All of them went against them. They eventually blew that game against the Chargers and blew their chances down the road for the playoffs. I think they get this back here. Herbert's been fantastic. Three touchdowns last week, no interceptions. Um, I know everything looked great for Kansas City and people with a Thursday night game. Mahomes with the five touchdowns um, and the blowout of Arizona. People are going to be like, oh, we got to jump on in their home. We got to jump on Kansas City here. That's the play. But I think this is a situation where I think the Chargers. You know, I relish the underdog role here. And again, this is a game for Staley to get redemption from what he did last year. I think the Chargers will be focused in this one. I think Austin Eckler has a big game. And I think also Mike Williams, who only had one catch. They resigned him in the offseason. He's supposed to be a big, integral part of this offense. Only one catch last week. I think he gets involved a lot more with Herbert on Thursday. Well, I, I'll say this. Uh, I, look, I think Herbert's fabulous, and I think the whole key to stopping the Chargers' offense is limiting Mike Williams. Give give Keenan Allen all the catches he wants. They'll be he'll average he'll average ten yards a catch. You give Mike right. Williams a catch, it's going to be a forty yard play. What concerns me about this, the great Brendan Staley, the defensive genius there of the Los Angeles Chargers, as bad as the Raiders played, as bad as they played, and as bad as Carr played. 
they they allowed eight point yards per attempt in the game. Yeah, eight point yards per attempt. So for me to get, I, I mean, I think this is a no play for me, Harry. I I, am, I admire mm-hmm. you for it, but I, I worry about their kicker Hopkins missed a kick. I mean, kicking mm-hmm. and Chargers never go together, right? That's those no, two. Th- you can't put them in a sentence, right? Good kicking in the Los Angeles like that doesn't go together. So you're asking me to go with a defense that gave up eight yards a, pl- a pass. And a and a team that has a kicker that missed a forty between the four. Uh, now I know the other team doesn't have a kicker either, but this one makes me worried. No, I I get that. I totally get that. But I mean, you know, and the, like you just mentioned, the Chargers. They can have this. It's, it's, it's an odd team because they can always have all the talent in the world, and Herbert can look fantastic and make no mistakes in that game. But like last week. They still, at the end, didn't pull away. They just don't do that. No. That's the thing for the team. They just don't pull away, even though Herbert I don't, put up fantastic numbers. And that last week against the Raiders was a perfect example. I, I don't think they're mentally tough. I think that's the. Mm-hmm. I think they're always going to let people in. And I think I think Kansas City this year is mentally tough. Yeah, it'll uh, be fun to watch. Real quick, Harry, because we we got to get yeah. the parlay before you get out of here. You have a three teamer to throw at us here this week. I have a three-teamer now. It's a little, it's a little big on the money line, but how about this? How about we go Green Bay minus four thirty? The Bears were extremely fortunate to pull that game out last week. I think if Kittle played in that game, Kittle would have been the difference, and San Fran would have won. So I'm going to take Green Bay, Green Bay over the Bears. San Francisco minus four eighty. Um, they get, they bounce back. Seattle had that game on Monday night. They're going to have something left in the tank on uh, the game against San Fran and the Rams minus for five twenty. McVay doesn't allow yeah. Mariota to beat him. Even money on that. All right, Harry, we appreciate it. Thanks as always. You're the best, Harry. Thank you. All right, we'll wrap up the show. Coming back right after this on the Lombardi Line. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. 
Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points. You can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM app. Sign up to BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. As we're back for the final time on the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM, big shout-out to our crew behind the glass at the Circus Sportsbook Studios. we got Andrew Ingold, our technical director. I'm Mikhail Miranda on audio. Sergio Sanchez on graphics. Rob Moreno, Troy Kinch, whole crew, Ryan Hunter in the house. Matt Santos, our producer as well, uh, behind the glass. Michael, pro tip of the hour here. We were just discussing this in the last couple of segments. It, it, you are doing a disservice to yourself as a better if you are not factoring in kicking and special teams into some of these lines, whether it's talking about Dustin Hopkins and the missed field goals from the Chargers, the issues plaguing Kansas City right now, Harrison Butker questionable with the ankle injury, or Rodrigo Blankenship being cut in Indianapolis. I got to think it, at times when you were an executive, that had to keep you guys up at night, depending on the team in the situation with special teams and kicking in particular. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it's it's part of the game, right? You know, and you want to be able to remove it. But lately, I mean, lately it's hard to remove, right? As I said earlier in the show, I think one of the untold secrets about this fourth down movement is uh, is the fact that teams are ready for fourth down now. In 17, when Doug Peterson was going through his fourth down routine in Philadelphia, it, I wouldn't say teams were unprepared, but there was an emphasis on it. Now there's emphasis on it. Now there's a lot of people engaged, and people are preparing for it. And so when you prepare for it, and it comes down to one play – and I'm talking different two-point plays. What used to happen was on your play sheet, if it was a key fourth down play, you would just run your two-point play because you probably didn't need it. Now, all of a sudden, you've got to come up with more trickery, more details. And again, it goes back to, can we run when they know we can we'll have to run? And can we throw when they know we have to throw? That becomes the question. And if you mm -hmm. can't, you know, it, it's hard to do. Again, our pro tips available every hour for our pro subscribers at vcin.com slash pro tips. Talking about the kicking game. Speaking of that, I didn't mention Chicago, but we talked earlier in the show. Uh, you, you were not impressed with Justin Fields and what you've seen no. so far in a, a last year and B week one, even in a win against San Francisco. People will also kind of forget, lost in the shuffle of that endgame sequence, Cairo Santos misses a pair of extra points in that game. Again, yeah. I know it was raining, but again, kickers have to kick in the elements, especially when you kick in the NFC North, and the Bears here go to a Green Bay. Michael, it looks like the Packers now up to 10 points here in the market. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, last year he went up there. I think they were a 10-point dog running that offense, and he played actually good for the first half. I think last year, in the, it was a Monday night or a Thursday night game that Justin Fields played well up there. But at the end of the day, when a game it became a passing game, it struggled. Look, the Bears' offensive line is a disaster. And I think this Packer defense is better than they played against Minnesota. Now, they got could, one, one thing about that Minnesota-Green Bay game, when you watch it closely – I mean, Green Bay's defense in the second half started to play much better. They gave up too many big plays to Justin Jefferson early in the game. 
But I don't anticipate that happening. I mean, I think that that they'll play better as this game goes on. And, you know, when you look at it, you know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, did, he was averaged five, seven yards per attempt mm-hmm. against uh, Minnesota's defense. And Minnesota allowed eight, seven in that game. But Minnesota only scored seven points in, in the second half. I mean, excuse me, they only six, scored six yeah. points in the second. And so... You know that that to me is is the you know that that was a little bit concerned. Green Bay finally got control of it a little bit. You could also make the case too, and as you point out on the Justin Jefferson angle, it, you know it reminded me a lot, especially as a Packer fan, like watching how Randy Moss would torch Green Bay in the late '90s, early 2000s, and it's like no matter what the Packers tried to do, they just did not have an answer. You could make an argument Jefferson was responsible for at least 17, if not 20, of the 23 Vikings points. Pretty much all on yeah. his own with the nine catches, 184, two touchdowns. I know people were really critical of how the Packers tried to defend him, but you, there's only so much you can do schematically. They tried putting, they tried the doubling when Jair Alexander man-to-man did not work, still didn't have much success. So I wonder if that's maybe being a little bit overvalued when we think about this Packer defense that, as you point out, for the most part, outside of that specific matchup with Jefferson, still was really efficient overall if you take out those big plays with just the six second half points allowed. Yeah. I mean, I think they can, right? So, you know, I mean, look, here's the other problem is Green Bay could run the ball against Minnesota. I mean, Green Bay averaged 6.2 yards. You know, I mean, Green Bay was running. They averaged 6.2 yards a carry in the game. They only had 18 carries, though. That was the big problem. So, you know, I, I think Minis- I, I think when you look at Green Bay, they got to get back to what they do well, which is they've got to find a receiver. Your leading receiver can't be Dylan or Aaron Jones. It's got to be a receiver, And I think that'll come into play this week. And certainly I think that'll help them as they face against the Bears team that, I mean, look, they won the game, but I thought the Bears played kind of to the level that I thought they were. They're just not a good team. Mm -hmm. And you just, look, you juxtapose that along with the the Bears' struggles too, even even where they were able to suck out a win at the end. Thinking about how this worked out for Green Bay last year, right? With the week one struggle, they lose 38-3 in the neutral site game in Jacksonville against the Saints. They they covered eight of their next nine games with the lone non-cover being a push in that crazy overtime game in Cincinnati a, year, uh, a season ago. The, they had a Monday night game in week two. It'll be a Sunday night game in week two this time. They were 11-point favorites against Detroit. Got off to a slow start, but pulled away. One covered that game. They won by 18 you were referencing, Michael, the game last year, which was week 14 on Sunday night, beat the Bears and covered his 12.5-point favorites, put up 45 on Chicago a year ago. So is this just the new normal for Matt LaFleur with the way you talked about the Matt LaFleur mm-hmm. approach in the preseason where he, he clearly does not care? And if you heard Aaron Rodgers' comments yesterday on the Pat McAfee show, sounded a lot like this was all part of the plan from the start and they were, they were willing to work themselves into the season given all the new pieces there on offense, especially in the wide receiver room. I mean, when it happens more than once, it's got to be part of the strategy, right? I mean, it happened more than once. And so now he's going against the Chicago team. I mean, look, he's playing in the North. I mean, that was his number one competition. He'll get him again in Green Bay. But, you know, I mean, Chicago, he's he's watching that same tape I watched. He watched San Francisco gash Chicago. Gash him. You know, San Francisco had 37 carries in the game for a buck 76. I know they lost, but they gashed him, you know? And, and so I think to me... He, he can get his team back. Plus, he didn't have his two tackles. He's on the road. He's got his two starting tackles are not playing in the game. He's got to protect his quarterback, which he really didn't do a good job. I thought Rodgers got hit way too much in yeah. that game. But 
I think this is the week they kind of have to get going. Can the Bears rally this week? I don't see it. I really don't. I mean, I'm I, I the more I watch of the Bears, the the less I, I am impressed. I saw and a couple of people have pointed out as well. We talk about these in season win total markets, and there was a ton of under money on Chicago from six and a half down to five and a half in a lot of places. There's some books, and not not in our jurisdiction in Nevada, at least where I'm sitting, Michael, but if you look around, they're back up to six and a half in, in some shops. Couldn't you make a case? That's a pretty good in-season under bet. I know it's one game, I and is, you're 1-0, yeah. but from what we saw, doesn't that wouldn't that make a lot of sense, uh, at least from the betting perspective? Where are, they getting five, where are they getting five wins? I mean, remember, Fields had to carry the ball 11 times in the game last week. Like where are they getting five? Where are they getting five more wins? I mean, they're they're not they're, they're, their skill players are not great. I mean, Pringle's one of their better receivers. That, that's who you're going. I mean, who's going to yeah. beat who's going to beat Green Bay this week at receiver? Mooney. He had one catch for eight yards against San Francisco. You know, I mean, he's a nice player, but they can't protect long enough to get the ball down the field. Plus, the quarterback doesn't read it out. The quarterback just sees the quarterback just sees it. Oh, I got to go. It's either I'm open or I got to go. I mean, it just processes. I, I don't I don't see it with the Bears. I really and don't. I mean, I, they got lucky. They found a way to win a game they shouldn't have won. I don't think they can do that five more times. No question. I don't and, know who they beat. I don't know who they beat. <laughs> well, here's the schedule. I, I mean, you have Houston at home, Lions at home, Falcons They're, on the road. I, I don't think they can beat the Lions. Say what you want about the Lions Jets, now. Maybe. The Lions gash Philadelphia. I mean, they, they gash yeah. Philly. They ran the ball on Philadelphia. Goff made one mistake. They threw the ball. They're four for four in the red zone. Philly, you know, it's funny. I tweeted this out the other day, and of course, naturally, Eagle fans, you know, gave me crap. So, typical Lombardi trying to find a negative on the Eagles. How is this a negative? Can I explain it to you? The Eagles were 28th in red zone defense last year, and they gave up four for four in the red zone the first week. They still have the same problem. How is that a negative? I'm not pushing it's back. It's a fact. It's not a negative. No, it's almost six yards of play, especially for Detroit. I get that some of that was in garbage time, but alas. No, there wasn't garbage time. It really wasn't, Ben. I mean, that game was close. You yeah. could feel Detroit coming back. Yeah, and when they made the, when they started the comeback, 31-14, people would say, well, game's over. Still, there were nine minutes left to go when the first drive took place. So I get where you're coming from on, on the Detroit side of things. And you talk about Minnesota, how good they looked. That's a game we're going to get into here later on once, uh, when Patrick is back tomorrow because that is a fascinating line already, one of the Monday night games. Seeing in the market now settling in at Eagles 2 or 2.5 against the Vikings. I know you're going to have thoughts on that, Michael, <laughs> going forward this week. Blast hanging out with you as always, uh, Michael. Great, to, Thanks, great to be with you, and we'll, uh, we'll catch you. You're back tomorrow with Patrick Maher. Thanks again as well to Matt Santos, our producer behind the glass, as we say so long on this edition of the Lombardi Line. Up next from our South Point Sportsbook Studios, it's VEASAN Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. 
So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 